there that portion there we kind of change into that next yeah if you could and just sing that last part again I, I, I really you know the, the thought that's being translated to us through that song is amazing really you know just listen closely to the words and let the Lord speak to your heart as they sing and I know you were listening last time but I just want you to really hone in on what the message is and just let God speak to your heart because you know the truth is in our lives is that sometimes we get moving so fast we forget about that theme in our life and what really God left us here for.
Take your Bibles, if you would. Turn to Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. Of course, our flags are still up in the auditorium. It's our final week of Missions Month. And, you know, honestly, I'm not going to preach on missions today, but we thought we'd leave the flags up at least. Again, the offering's still coming in, and uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to do. And we'll give you a number here in the next week or so as we start to get a little closer to our final number. But uh, I know if you're going to give, just throw it in the offering, okay? You don't have, we're not taking any special offerings up right now in the sense of a separate offering. So, uh, like, uh, I'll be honest with you, I haven't put mine in yet. Uh, I'll be putting it in tonight, I believe, and uh, getting that in there. So maybe you haven't yet either, and that's all right. Just get it in when you, the Lord puts it on your heart, get it done, and we'll be fine. <clears throat> Boy, I like that song, didn't you? I like, I like that song, and that message is so powerful, amen? Revelation chapter 22, verse 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You know, one of my many duties as a pastor at Community Baptist Temple through the years has been to counsel or help individual couples or families and just to really try to help people in their daily walk in life. And I've sat down with hundreds of folks through the years, and I have heard the same story over and over again. Although there are some unique nuances in each case and every situation, the truth is the story is very, very similar and often very much the same. You know why? Because people are always people. And although we are very unique in our personality and appearance, we're still just human beings. Everyone would like to believe that they're the exception to the rule, that they're unlike, everyone, unlike everybody else, that they're an exception to all the natural and universal laws, but that's simply not the case at all. The problems may vary, but the root is most often the same. The answer to our every hurt Every heartache and situation is the same as well. Let me explain for just a few moments today. First of all, God is the architect. We have to always remember that God's the architect. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There in Genesis 1-1, God lays down a foundation and he simply says, in the beginning, God. Is there any question as to the existence of God? Where did he come from? I mean, how did it all happen? In the beginning, God. You say, well, that's not a whole lot to go on. That's called faith. And again, I can't apologize for that. I can't say to you today, well, I'm going to tell you exactly where God came from. I'm going to explain every single question, uh, uh, answer every question that you might have. I can't do that. And nobody can do that. I wasn't there when it all went down. I wasn't there when it happened. And the truth is, I can't explain it all. But I do have a Bible that I believe to be the Word of God. And if the Word of God says, in the beginning God, then that's what I'm to believe. And I do. There's a lot of other reasons why we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. And it gives us some confidence in the authority of Scripture. But my friend today, it is still an element of faith. But by the way, before we get a little bit too bent out of shape about, well, how could you possibly believe that in the beginning God... Well, how can you believe in the beginning no God? 
Because you say, well, because. No, because of why. Look around you. See what we see today in every nook and cranny of our creation and ask yourself, my goodness, where did it all come from? How did it all happen if there isn't someone or something called God? God is the architect. He is the creator, God. God provides the blueprint. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He provides us with a blueprint. In Psalm 119, 105, describing the Word of God. He's the builder. He is the builder. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it in Psalm 127.1. We can spend a lifetime trying to put things together and try to make them all work. But in the end, the Lord, the God of heaven, is the one who really is the builder. We can spend a lifetime trying to build a life only to see it fall apart in a matter of seconds or moments. We still remember or hearing about and reading about probably in the 1900s and 1929 with the Great Depression and how so many had built up mass amounts of money only to lose it in a stock market and even find themselves casting themselves off of buildings to their very demise. All because their whole lives went up in smoke in a matter of moments. Can I tell you that there's no guarantee that what you have spent a lifetime building will not crumble before your very eyes? He is the builder, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. And it is upon Him we must build. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What a foundation. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What a foundation he provides us with. So Jesus Christ is the architect. He's the, he basically is the blueprint. He's the builder. He's the foundation. The fact is that everything begins and ends with Jesus Christ. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Man, he's everything in between. Now, before we move forward, I think it's important that we understand and recognize that it all begins with a relationship. Everything begins with a relationship. In order to get on that foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, one must first allow Christ in their life. And it is not a matter of including Him in your life, just simply saying, you can have a part or a piece. I'll gladly let you save me, but I will not let you sanctify or separate me. That doesn't work that way. You don't tell God, here's how I'm going to let you save me. Here's how I'm going to come to you as a lost sinner. I'm going to tell you this, God. I will let you save me if you'll let me continue in my sin. That's not how it works. we got to come to him his way. Hey, listen, someone that comes to Jesus Christ is not going to ultimately get off their knees after receiving the Lord into their life and be perfect because we are just flesh and that flesh will 
often get a hold of us and rule us at times and we have to die to it and crucify it daily, the Bible says. However, we ought to get off our knees a new creature in Christ Jesus, something transformed and changed. And it doesn't happen without us being willing to let God do his perfect work in our lives. So we're sinners without Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all fallen miserably short of his perfect holy standard. And that in and of itself is sin. And the fact is, is that he died for us on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And he literally shed his perfect precious blood and allowed his body to be broken on our behalf so that he could pay the penalty of sin. God, the perfect man, God, the perfect God, all at once. And he died on Calvary and he took our place and he paid the wages of sin, which was death. And when you and I recognize ourselves as the sinners that he died for, and we literally recognize that only he can forgive us and save us, that only his finished work on Calvary is sufficient payment for the holy, righteous demands of God, It's only then that we're on our way to salvation because then it's a matter of exercising our faith in that truth and saying, okay, Lord Jesus, I want a transaction to take place today. And here's the transaction. You describe it in your word and I want it to happen in my life. I am going to give you my sin and myself and you are going to give me salvation in return, forgiveness and salvation. I hand over myself and my sin to you and I beg your mercy and I beg your grace in my life. I don't deserve forgiven. I don't deserve to be let off the hook. I don't deserve anything but a devil's hell. But you have forgiven me and you would save me if I'll ask. And I'm asking. I want you to do the transaction. I'm ready for this transaction. Here am I and my sin. And the Lord says, fine then, I'll give you myself and salvation. Man, Jesus moves into our life. Man, he forgives us, moves into our life, and he saves us from our sin, and he gives to us eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do we realize what that means? Do we understand how precious he is and how precious his salvation is? I read about John Newton and it says that John Newton, of course, we know he was a slave trader at one point, a very wicked, wretched man. He's the one who eventually wrote that song that we sing so often, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, he said. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Oh, I was a mess back then. I was so dead wrong in what I did and what I thought. I was such a sinner to such nth degree. I deserved hell like nobody's business. But God gave, us, gave me his grace. And as he grew older in his life, he continued to preach. And he decided, I'm not going to quit preaching till I go to the grave. And it came to a point in his life where he had to have a helper, an assistant. And as he was standing preaching and the assistant stood beside him, he said, the Lord Jesus Christ is so precious. And he said, Jesus Christ is so precious. And his assistant said, you already said that. And he said, 
And I'm going to say it again. And with a loud voice, he said, Jesus Christ is so precious. It's when we recognize how precious Jesus is. We fall at his feet and beg for his mercy and his forgiveness, recognizing that only he can wash our sin away, that only he can change that wretched, sinful soul into one that is full of light, hope, and everlasting life. Will we ever truly come to a saving knowledge Boy, if you've never trusted Jesus today, you've never recognized yourself as the sinner that he died for, you need to ask him to forgive you, save you, and come into your life today. Then your feet will be planted on that solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never have to worry about the sinking sand ever again. Ushers, go out there and clear out that room back there. I'm hearing something. Clear it out back there. We don't need distracted by something that's going on in the foyer. That's not a place to babysit. It's not a place to hold children. It's not a place to feed children. It's not a place to relax, kick back while we're having preaching in the service. Thank you, preacher. We love you because you're so honest. And you tell us how it is. You're very welcome. (laughs) So it begins with a relationship. Now, following that, once you've settled that, now it's time to build. And if you want to build a life, you want to build a marriage, you want to build a family or ministry that's going to last, that's going to stand the test of time, Christ is the answer. The same one that saved our soul, the same answer that ultimately delivered us from our sin, ultimately to a position of salvation and eternal life, is the same one who can ultimately enable us to build a life that lasts. Because, see, Jesus Christ is the architect, the blueprint, the builder, and the foundation. You can't go wrong with the Lord. He is the master builder. And your life and your family, your marriage and your ministry will be on solid ground if you build upon Him. So I want to share just a few thoughts about the Lord's building program today. Just a couple simple thoughts. And then we'll be done. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Father, we ask, Lord, You'd bless us today. Father, we need You now. We pray that You would be glorified in this place. May every one of us, Lord, here today, hear from the Holy Spirit. May our hearts be moved. May we be motivated to draw nigh to you and to give you your just dessert. That's our awe. Father, you deserve our best. And Lord, we thank you for giving us your best. Now help us to build in a way that brings glory and honor to you. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, you've heard it a number of times, and if you haven't, let me introduce this verse to you. It's an amazing verse to those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. As I mentioned already, it's so important that we begin with a relationship, and that's what we often refer to as salvation. 
says in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. There is a work that's going to take place in your Christian life. There is a, a building process that will take place as a believer. God has begun a work and he will perform it. Now, I may, I'll tell you this, that sometimes if, uh, it's like even with our own children. We want to do some things in their lives, but if they are resistant to us, it makes the whole process a lot less pleasant. And may I say as a believer, it's important that we recognize how much God does want to do in our lives and yield to him and allow him to do the work that he wants to do in our lives. So if you want God to do some great things, you're going to have to let him. Now, let me give you just a couple of thoughts. Number one, you can be sure that God is anxious to do a good work in your life, in your marriage, your family, and your ministry. He is anxious. You can know that for sure. Again, he says, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you, hey, he has begun it. He wants to do that work in your life. Now, the teens went to what we often used to call contest. A number of years ago they went, and I remember the first year we went to contest, we put together a group of teenagers that were going to be in what they called quiz team. It was a Bible quiz, and there were certain passages in the Bible they had to memorize, often a whole entire book or a passage, a portion of, say, 10 or 12 chapters. They'd memorize all 12 chapters, and then they'd go in, and they would answer questions that the moderator would give. There'd be three teams that were established. There'd be one, two, and three seated up front, and there uh, you would watch and view them as the moderator asked questions, and the first team to stand up Whoever that team was, whoever in that team stood up, they were the, gave them the opportunity to answer the question. I still remember that first year going to that, uh, that particular uh, contest, and our teams had prepared and readied the best they knew how, and as they sat up there in the front against two other teams, I still remember that virtually it seemed as though they just started and it was already over. Our teens couldn't answer a whole lot of questions. They didn't understand how it really worked that well. Matter of fact, they, they had put some time in, but honestly, they didn't work the way that those other teams had worked. And understandably so. It was their first year. They had not had that opportunity. And I don't think they realized and, and understood what it was going to demand or take in order to be victorious or to do well. Now, I, 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 was so, I felt so bad for our teenagers that year. And I remember leaving, and, and, I, and, and even from the very beginning, I started to pray. And I said, Lord, listen, I, I, this year, as we move forward this year, and they begin to practice, I, Lord, I want you to do something. Lord, I'm going to ask you, Father, to reward them according to their faithfulness. I just want to see them, I want them to realize that hard work pays off. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I couldn't wait for contests that year. And I couldn't wait to see our team up there. And I kept praying, Lord, just reward them for their faithfulness. Lord, reward them according to their work. And boy, they started working hard. And I remember going up there that next year and sitting out in the audience and I wanted so much for them to succeed. I couldn't, I just sat on pins and needles just praying, oh God, please let them experience that it pays off, that hard work pays off. Let them realize that, Lord, if they'll put forth the effort, they'll be rewarded. I want them to learn that lesson and I want them to know that it, it works. And boy, they were up there and man, I'm going to tell you, that second year, they were tearing it up. I was like, yes! Man, they went further than I even thought they'd go. 
It, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't think anybody wanted them to succeed more than I did. But there was one that did. His name was Jesus Christ. There is no one in this world that wants you to succeed any more than Jesus does. There's not a mother in the world who longs any more for your well-being than the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that's hard to believe. I've got a wonderful mother and I know she wants to see me succeed. I know she wants me to do well in life. She wants everything to work out for me. But I'm going to tell you, there's somebody in heaven that loves me even more than mama does. There's somebody in heaven that wants for me more than even mom wants. There's Jesus Christ and he loves me and he cares. And I'm not taking away from mom at all, not at all. But nobody wants me to succeed like Jesus does. And I don't necessarily mean succeed in the sense that i got a big bank account or that I've got a, 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 you know, a, a summer and a winter home. I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm talking about just enjoying life and recognizing the successes that come when you have peace, the peace of God in your life and you have purpose in your life and you have fulfillment and satisfaction that comes through obedience to the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you that Christ wants you to succeed today as a believer. Nobody wants you to succeed anymore. He is anxious to do a good work in your life. Number two, though, don't expect immediate results. You must be patient. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a desire to thrive and to ultimately strive for good and that you should just quit and give up easy. I'm not talking about giving up and I'm not talking about coasting. I'm just saying don't expect immediate results. Oh, there'll be some results possibly, but not necessarily immediate. Hey, duration. The project, the Bible says, will continue a lifetime. He hath begun a good work in you and will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. It's a work that's a lifetime work. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. In Psalm chapter 27, verse 14, the Bible says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Over our lifetime, we've developed many bad habits flaws, and problems, haven't we? Some years ago, I, I dropped a glass. I dropped a glass on a hardwood floor in my bedroom. And uh, that glass, I mean, literally shattered into a million pieces. Shards of glass were just everywhere. And I still remember trying to sweep it up. Man, I'm sweeping and I'm sweeping and I'm sweeping and I want to make sure I get everything up. I did my best and for quite a while, you know, I, I wouldn't go into that room without my shoes on or, or at least slippers that had a pretty thick sole on them. But, you know, as time went on, you know, I, I, I mean, as time went on and, you know, I, I, I simply forgot about it, went back to my old ways. Now, I mean, over time, that, that room had been swept over and over and over again. And I just didn't think about it. And a few months later, as I'm, you know, uh, you know, I walk into the room, I'm greeted with this sharp pain in the bottom of my foot. I mean to tell you, and, and you know me, I have a threshold of pain that's off the charts. I was like, oh, wow, what's that? Oh, it's a nail all the way through my foot. No problem. 
No, not me. I felt that sharp pain. I was like, ah! <laughs> Man, I'm looking at my foot and there's little blood starting to trickle out. I'm like, oh, oh. Do I need tweezers? What do I need? Sherry! <laughs> I started picking around and sure enough, shard of glass. A little shard of glass. Boy, it wasn't very big, but boy, it seemed to hurt at the moment. <laughs> I was so upset. Like, you've got to be kidding me. This was months ago I dropped that glass. Been sweeping it over and over again, or at least my wife has. <laughs> Maybe she didn't, just on purpose. I don't know, but either way. <laughs> said, What's wrong? I said, <laughs> Man. Again, those pieces had been picked up over months and, and, and swept a number of times, but still the effect of that broken glass was producing pain in my life. Let me ask you a question. How many glasses have you dropped, so to speak, in your lifetime, your marriage, your family, or your ministry? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, for some reason, we get the idea that God's supposed to fix everything with one wide swoop of his broom. That he's going to clear, I mean, he's going to clear it all the way overnight. I got saved today, so all my problems are going to disappear. I've been a Christian and I'm trying. I've been reading my Bible for at least two weeks. And God hasn't done anything yet. might be a little facetious there, but you get what I'm getting at. You know, he's going to clear a lot away, much of the debris, very quickly. Just like those, that glass that broke on my floor, much of it came up that day. The majority of it came up, and boy, it was amazing. It was so much better than it would have been if I just left it on the ground, obviously. But man... I believe God works the same way. So many times in our lives, when we make a decision to really get on board with God, He takes that broom and He does make a wide swoop. And boy, does He do, make some major changes in our life almost immediately. However, there is a work in progress and there are shards of glass that still remain behind and there are problems and issues that we have to deal with and address that take time. And God is working slowly in our life because He's building in us character and faith that sometimes we wish He just gave us. And I want you to remember, and I think it's important that we all do, God didn't drop, break, or shatter anything. We did. And now we must understand that it's going to take time for all the pieces of our life to be picked up and put back together. Give God a chance. His, word is a, his work is a lifetime work. Be patient. Let God do His work in your life. It's so difficult for our young people, and I, I say this because we've all been there and we understand this, and sometimes they don't even realize why they make the decisions they do, and I'm not saying they're not smart, I'm just saying that they haven't had much life experience. And they have a tendency, if they're not careful, to see about this far in front of their eyes. Because that's all they know, they're not very old, first of all. And, and they don't recognize how one decision affects the next and the next, and how one bad decision may affect a lifetime even. They somehow want everything today, and we understand that. 
I want a boyfriend today. I want a girlfriend today. I want friends today. I want money today. I want a car today. I want, you know where I'm going with that. But by the way, the teenagers aren't the only one anymore, are they? It seems more and more even adults are falling prey to these kind of things. We have to be willing to give God time to work in our life. Sometimes we think God should just do it just like that. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Give him time to work in your life. Do the right thing today and tomorrow and next week and next month. And as you begin to look back in your life, you'll say, I'm glad I waited on the Lord. Don't expect immediate results. You must be patient. Finally, number three. Don't fight the builder. Let him do his work in your life, your marriage, your family, and your ministry. Be patient, wait on him, but let him do his work. See, Jesus is the architect and Jesus is the builder. Have you ever tried to read blueprints? Now, the majority in the room, some of you, some, some in the room, uh, the majority would say, no, I, I can't read blueprints. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. You've seen them, right? They look like hieroglyphics. <laughs> and then there's some that would say, oh, yeah, I can read them until you have to. Well, what does that symbol mean? Oh, I don't know. What does that symbol mean? I'm not sure. Well, I just know this looks like the outside of the wall. That's the outside. That's the outside. There it is. I read them. Man, there's so many details, aren't there? There's a few of you in here, and I, I know a couple of you. You could look at those, and you could point out all that stuff to me, and you could, you know. But let's be honest. It, you didn't learn that overnight. It took time for you to figure out how to read blueprints. You had to learn to do that. Those blueprints provide a very detailed description of the project at hand. They're exact, and they leave nothing to the imagination. And you know, if you can read blueprints, they provide you with a very clear course of action. But if you can't, well, it doesn't matter how long you stare at them and look at them, you're never going to understand what you're looking at. Well, you know, God, as we said, is the architect, and he has the blueprint, and that blueprint is the Word of God. Now, that blueprint outlines the construction of our lives, our marriage, our family, and our ministries. Here's the problem. Early on in our lives, our Christian lives especially, we don't know how to read them at first, and much of what we look at seems to confuse us. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't give you insight. That's not what I'm saying. He can and He will. But there are a lot of things that sometimes God's blueprint, boy, it's hard to pick up on at first. It just seems like there's so much. How do you pull this out or that out? And how do you apply this and apply that? And what's the answer to this question and that question? And where do I find that in the blueprint? I mean, blueprints come in so many pages. 
We had a table up on the stage here for years when we were building this building and putting it all together and renovating it. And I'm not joking. It, there, I mean, these pages were like, I mean, like a yardstick long and a yardstick wide. And there were like 30, 40, 50, 60, I think it close to 100 pages. It was like that thick. What page? Trying to find exactly what we were looking for because it had such detailed specs. You know what? That's how God's word works. Do you realize how detailed God is about our lives, our marriages, our families, our ministries? But you know what? If you don't know how to read it, you don't understand it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't do any good. Now listen, I'm not saying throw the Bible away. Don't, no, 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 don't do that. But what I am saying is this. Let him do his work in your life. You're going to learn things along the way in your Christian life. We said to be patient, right? Don't pick it up and read a couple verses and go, well, that didn't answer my question, I'm done. He began a work in your life. It's going to be a lifetime work. It's going to take some time. You've got to be patient but when God reveals something to you in your life, when God begins to speak to you through the Word of God and He begins to speak to you through the Spirit of God, don't say no. I want you to know. Hey, we've all had children like that at some point and they had to be what? Disciplined. We don't talk much about discipline in the Christian life anymore, do we? But you know, according to Hebrews chapter 12, you know what God does to a child that says no with an attitude to him? He spanks them. Read it for yourself, chapter 12. And maybe at times even worse. Listen, don't say no to God. Don't fight the builder. He wants to build you and he wants to make you into something that's marvelous and wonderful, something that brings glory and honor to Him. Let Him do His work in your life, your marriage, your family, and your ministry. Boy, once you have allowed God to work in your life and you've spent time reading and studying the blueprint, the Word of God, things will seem to make more sense to you. It'll start to get easier and you'll understand what's going on. You're still going to have questions along the way, but you'll have seen some progress. You'll see the progress He's made in your life that you've made as a result of good decisions and being obedient to the Lord. And you're going to have a better understanding as to what God's trying to accomplish with you and in you. Hey, don't fight the builder. Even if you don't understand all the whys, simply trust Him. Let me ask this section a question. Has God ever allowed something in your life you didn't understand? Don't raise your hand, don't answer, just think. Has He ever allowed something in your life that you didn't understand? Maybe it was a hurt, a heartache, maybe it was, who knows, a tragedy that came. You didn't understand it. Let me ask this section. Has God ever done anything or allowed something in your life that you didn't understand? How about this section? Has God ever done anything in your life or allowed anything in your life that you didn't understand? Every one of us could say a resounding yes. I don't understand why God let that happen to 
my mother or my father or my brother or my sister. I don't know why God let that happen to me or my family. Why did he permit that in my home? Why did he let that take place? Why did he do that to me? Allow me to go through that or going through what I'm going through. Why God do that? Listen, we are all prone to asking those questions, aren't we? But don't fight him. They say, when the preacher points his finger at you, there are three fingers pointing back at him. Let me tell you something. It's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, isn't it? I always say, I hate preaching like that because I feel like I open myself up to God going, okay, let's see if you'll deal with it. Let's see if you'll, keep, let's see if you'll obey or follow your own advice. I'm like, eh. But does it do any good really in the end? Because when it's time, God lets us, my dad went through a horrible time with colon cancer. And I still remember the words he said to me. There as he laid in the bed, he said, well, it's my turn in the barrel. So what's that mean? It means it was his turn to go through something that he didn't want to go through. And everybody has to go through their turn. It's my turn in the barrel. You live long enough, you'll get your turn too. I'll get my turn, won't I? But we can't fight God. He's the master builder. He's the one who gave us life itself. He's the foundation. He, Jesus Christ, is the architect, the blueprint, the builder. So, as we conclude today, let me say God never quits on us. But sadly, some do quit on God. It, it happens, doesn't it? I pray that none of us would quit on God today. I'm not saying you may not be tempted to at some point. I'm not saying that the devil may not come to you sometime in the night and say, hey, why is, where's God at now? Oh, he may do that. But let's not quit on God. I read somewhere that part-time faith is like a part-time job. It will never fully support you. God's the architect. He has a blueprint for your life. He's the builder and he provides the foundation. Hey, you can be sure that God is anxious to do a good work in your life, your marriage, family, and ministry. Listen, don't expect immediate results. This, this work that he's doing in your life, your marriage and family and ministry, is a lifetime work. Don't fight the builder. Don't fight the builder. Let him do his work in your life. So here's the message. Whether you're building a life, a marriage, a family, or ministry, it must begin and end with him. It must begin and end with him. Ronald Reagan was our 40th president. Here's what he said once. Meaning no disrespect to the religious convictions of others, 
I still can't help wondering how we can explain away what to me is the greatest miracle of all and which is recorded in history. No one denies there was such a man that he lived and that he was put to death by crucifixion. So where is the miracle I spoke of? Well, consider this and let your imagination translate the story into our time, possibly to your own hometown. A young man whose father is a carpenter grows up working in his father's shop. One day, he puts down his tools and walks out of his father's shop. He starts preaching on street corners and in the nearby countryside, walking from place to place, preaching all the while, even though he's not an ordained minister. He does this for three years. Then he's arrested, tried, and convicted. Oh, there's no court of appeal. So he's ex executed at age 33 along with two common thieves. Those in charge of his execution roll dice to see who gets his clothing, the only possessions he has. His family cannot afford a burial place for him, so he's, interested in a, so he's interned in a borrowed tomb. End of story. No. No, this uneducated, propertyless young man who left no written word has for 2,000 years had a greater effect on the world than all the rulers, kings, emperors, all the conquerors, generals, and admirals, all the scholars, scientists, and philosophers who have ever lived, all of them put together. How do you explain that? Unless he really was who he said he was. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Father, we come to you. We ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. Lord, we are a needy people today. First and foremost, I ask, Lord, that if there be any that are without Jesus that have yet to receive and accept his forgiveness, his cleansing, his salvation, that they would settle that today. May your Holy Spirit bring great conviction on their heart. May they recognize themselves as the sinners they are, even as so many in the room have already recognized themselves to be. Father, we are all born into sin. We'll live in sin and die in it. Oh, God, help them to recognize that they need Jesus even now, this very moment. And may they step out into the aisle as the music begins to play in a moment and find Brother Kavanaugh or somebody at the front and let them show them from the Bible how they too can know Jesus as their Savior. But Lord, for the believer today, help us, Lord. Let us, help us to be patient and let you do your perfect work in our life. Father, help us, Father, to know that you are anxious to do a good work in our life. But that, Lord, we must be patient and that we cannot fight you, the builder, but let you do your perfect work in our life. Father, I don't know what people are going through today, but whatever they're going through, I pray, Lord, that you would give them grace that they need to overcome. And may they, Father, may we, all of us, be willing to accept what you have for us and allow you to work in our lives, to move in our midst, and to do your perfect work as only you can. Because, Lord, this isn't all there is. There's an eternity that awaits. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand as the music.